we uh, we move on with all the other bits and pieces just very quickly because uh, we're getting an awful lot of support for this and so uh, i want to just make a point of uh, sharing our sponsors with you so that you can see the uh, the importance of everybody getting involved in this so first of all it goes without saying that uh, we have castle coombe circuit itself please don't forget about us we are we're still here you can go on you can keep abreast of all of the news uh everything that's there so uh, you can in fact let me just make sure that we have it uh castlecoombcircuit.co.uk and uh, we will be joined by the uh, the main man tom davis himself very shortly as well the uh, sales and marketing director of the circuit but uh, we've also got if uh, we bring up the uh, the next one and I hope you don't mind that I am going to uh, to share this one as well. Oh, I've lost it. I've lost. You weren't supposed to come back to me just yet, but let me just go back to. <laughs> Here's one I prepared earlier. Don't panic. <laughs> so I'm going to share this screen back up again. Show up on screen. And uh, hang on still getting used to the technology but uh we've also got my company with uh, with everything i'm doing opendoorstraining.co.uk and uh, that provides public speaking presentation skills media training including for sports people and uh also ferreting around in the the, the background we've had uh, an awful lot of help from uh, from this dude and i've kind of gone to the uh, the, the page that sort of gives us the, the best idea of uh, of him and i'll put that as solo so sam preston or flat out media and does everything for uh, for castle coombe as well on the, uh, the social media side he's ferreting away sharing all sorts of things for us now so thank you to sam preston as well but uh, that's that's enough from uh, from that side of things let's stop uh, sharing those bits and pieces but important to just show everything that's happening gonna bring in He's going to come in. He's got a countdown on him as well. Tom, hello, mate. Hello. Good evening, Chris. How you doing? I'm good, sir. Yourself? Yeah. How, uh, how has it been since Wednesday? Locked in still? Yeah, filled up again. It's fine. <laughs> Are you running out of uh, gin in Swindon yet? I'm trying my best, mate. I'm trying my best. But, you know, not yet. They're, they're holding strong. They're holding strong. Have you gone blind yet? Have I gone blind? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. watching too much TV, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a busy man. I'm a busy man, Chris. You know, I think. I know, exactly. Well, it's good man. to see you. We've been sort of like uh, working out all the different bits and pieces. And uh, we've got a rather special guest from a Castle Coombe perspective. For me personally, mm. I've managed to uh, mix with this this guy quite a lot in paddocks and interviewing him and his good lady, Nikki, as well. Uh, making his tea all the time, making his tea uh, <laughs> and abusing me normally every time I walk past with a microphone, to be honest. But um, <laughs> it's uh, I'm going to bring this one up, uh, uh, Tom, because this photo really, you know, uh, yeah, that's I see that every day, Chris. I see that every day in the office. It's a big, we've got a big picture of it. It's um, it's there in pride of place. It's special, isn't it? And I mean, when we tailored this to uh, to other people, you know, they have talked about remembering that day haven't they really so yeah you know, it, it's a it's a big deal of what went on there but that's only a snippet of what he's done the, the the relationship and i think we can call it a relationship with the circuit and with the strawford family goes back yeah. a very very long way yeah and it was just 
an obvious choice. You and I have been sort of coming up with all sorts of ideas, all sorts of guests, including our very own drivers here and now that we're going to start working with. But we decided to start with a bang, didn't we, to be honest? Well, yeah. I mean, after today, I don't think it's not, it's looking like um, this is going to end long, longer, isn't it, than we thought. And I think that, um, like you said, you know, we've been, people have been approaching us, which is great. We've got some ideas. But yeah, to start a clean sheet, I suppose, on a Sunday night, the last, last one was Wednesday, to have this chap on. And the last time I saw him was probably a couple of years ago. Um, and I was introducing to him by a, a late uh, colleague of ours, uh, Rodney Gooch, who many of you listening will remember Rodney, who sadly passed away. Uh, last year and Rodney actually um, was one of the instigators and, and, and I'm sure Nigel tell us more worked really closely with Nigel and he got him back in 2017 and he went out um, at the Autumn Classic um, which um, I think was the Autumn Classic and um, or one of the other I can't remember which actually one of the other race meetings you have to remember remind me Chris um, and yeah and I met him then briefly and I think you know, he's always played um, a big part of the Coombs history in the last 20 something years now. Was that 20? Crikey, 97. Scary. In the green room, he's not happy that you just reminded him that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, no, no, and, and that's and like, and like we were chatting earlier, you know, the fact that we, I've seen his uh, uh, GT86 is there where he's training people as well. Um, so I think, you know, that's the interesting thing. A lot, some people will know everything about Nigel. And other people, like you say, you you know him fairly well, commentated on him, and there's a lot of people who won't. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's you know really interesting and great to have him on, and, and great to have him on, and like I said, and then hopefully we can build from there, Chris. We can. Well, without further ado, we've uh, duly embarrassed him and put him under pressure. So let's bring the man himself in. Let's uh, let's pop him up in screen. Where we go? There we go. Countdown. <laughs> Nigel, welcome, sir. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Was that was that a big enough intro? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go downhill from here, isn't it? <laughs> I love the fact that we've got a sort of like just a little soup song of your uh, trophies in the background there as well. <laughs> They're not all mine. Some of those are Nicky's. Oh, I see. Oh, OK. Does that mean, sir, have you been doing the stig when you've been wearing the helmet? It's actually been her hidden under there as the stig, is it? it exactly, yeah. Just watch for the, uh, for the blonde, blonde hair coming out from underneath the helmet. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's so good to to see you, and I mean if we um and, and jump in, Tom, because I know you've got some yeah, no, no, definitely as well. Plus, we're trying to keep an eye on the chat on the side here, uh, and hello to everybody that's joining in. By the way, we've got Mark Thompson uh, from Norfolk. Good to see. You. I always see him when I'm at Snetterton as well. Jake Alden, Dave Rogers, one of the uh, the Orange Army. Glass of wine, Dorsey? No, it's gin, mate. It's gin. So we got that wrong. Uh, so, and Emma Strawford, of course, is there. And I know, uh, Nigel, that was where I was going to go, is jump back, is that it's a long history with the circuit. Everybody, you know, us, we've kind of fueled it, think about the Formula One. And I know we're going to talk about some of the other things you've done on track, but it's just a long personal connection, really, with the circuit and with, with Howard Strawford, the late, great Howard Strawford as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, um, you know, the, uh, the family, you know, it, it's sort of, uh, what make the circuit really and uh it, it's every time i've ever been there it's always been such a pleasure and um yeah i was so privileged to drive you know the 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 Tyrrell round there and race it that day and uh end up with a lap record and sort of um yeah it's a very special feeling every every time going down there and uh, and meeting everybody that's there you know all, all the staff and the marshals and uh it's always wonderful down there the spectators are so enthusiastic there's so many of them 
No, agreed. And I mean, that's what, you know, from the, the, the commentary side, I love it. There's always a very passionate and a big crowd out there. And, and and I have to say is that we've been having the comments coming in where they, you know, it was almost that I remember where I was on that day. Because, of course, it was the, the you know, it got the lap record, the pre-Chicane's lap record, we have to say, obviously, uh, in 1997. And, and it's the last time we may ever get something as as extreme as that Formula One car, the noise and everything. But I'm sure it wasn't plain sailing because it's quite bumpy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the nice thing with Castlecombe is it's a real racer's track. Um, yeah. you know, so many circuits these days are, are made perfectly smooth and they've got runoff areas and everything like that. And, and uh, We haven't re tarmat thank you. We haven't re tarmat <laughs> So add that we have had it in retarmat. We keep saying that might have been a bit bumpy. Sorry to interject there, but we keep getting that, and we spent it has been retarmat recently. Thank you, Nigel. It's really funny because I remember many years ago. Uh, I think it was around the time that the chicanes were being put in, and I was chatting to Howard Strawford and saying that I love the place because of the bumps. And he said, Nigel, he said they're not bumps, they're undulations. <laughs> but, but I was like, don't take the bumps away. You know, sort of like why. Why do we need perfectly smooth racetracks? You know, the you know, probably my favourite track, sort of, that I, I race on regularly is at Sebring, uh, and that's again, that's like Castlecombe. It's a real racer's track. You know? mm. So you've got bumps and you know undulations. You, as a driver, you have to think and really work at how to go fast around there. You know, you go to somewhere like Silverstone, and it's really dull because it's so smooth, and you know, uh, it's 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 a shame for formula one that they uh they design circuits to suit the cars as opposed to cars to suit the circuits mm. well and, and that kind of is like picking up on uh, somebody else apologies uh, uh what viewers i can't remember who said it but somebody made a comment saying it was incredibly rapid when it wasn't in the air and that was the probably the challenge you had in it <laughs> because they've got minimal play haven't they 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 have we certainly the uh it certainly helped with tire wear <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you weren't using them very often. <laughs> exactly. What was great that day was because um, that that was my first season driving those cars, and uh, so uh, so I'd been hired to drive one um, uh, by Paul Stoddart, uh, who I'd, I'd originally given a passenger ride to in a in a Pro Sport three thousand sports car. Because oh yeah, from the racing of that, I used to do passenger rides and charge people, and he had a passenger ride, and after that. Uh, he then uh, went out and uh, started buying some race cars, and I ended up being hired to to race the Tyrrell, uh, one of them, and alongside him. And um, and we had uh, we sort of put put together a team. And in fact, uh, the, the main guy that I was working with, Tony Frost, I still see him a lot because he runs Richard Chamberlain's Porsche 935 in GT Cup. Um, yeah, a real wizard, real genius, and um, that's what made that car so good uh, in that day. Um, and uh, the, the, the day itself at Castlecombe, when we came to race, there was no uh, pre-race testing or anything like that. And um, what was always great challenge with those cars was that because we couldn't go off and test them anywhere, we used to turn up and we'd get sort of like at Castlecombe, we had, I think it was uh, about a 20 minute practice session first thing in the morning um, and it was pouring rain. Uh, and I remember that was, that was probably my favorite session of the day because the car was aquaplaning all around the track. Uh, so we'd come past the pits and then sort of like sweep right. And I remember aquaplaning all the way up the hill. And then it would take off as you got to sort of, you know, the rise and then down. And it was just such a thrill that was, you know, you sort of, you, 
car and you think, I'm still alive, you know, and it's like, <laughs> really, well, that's what racing's about. Yeah, and, you're and, a different breed, Nigel. <laughs> and now, Nigel, when you, you know, obviously now, you know, with the chicanes and everything else, I mean, interesting, We, Chris and I spoke about this the other day, so we don't have British touring cars, as you know, and we had TCR come a couple of years ago, and I had yeah, meetings yeah. With, with both parties, and, you know, and, and a lot of the drivers of those, uh, the, of those, um, two sort of um, things that won't won't come back. Uh, they don't like the fact that we don't have the runoff uh, and all the sort of, you know, there's like, you know, the stuff that you were talking about really. I mean, what, what's your take on that? Because I think that's a question we get asked a lot is that people want to see some of these, you know, okay, let's put the noise issue to one side a second, but actually, you know, it, it's, it, like you said, it's a driver's circuit. What's your thoughts on that? If you were currently touring cars or TCR? <laughs> It's funny, I've never been fortunate to race in British touring cars and the guys in that are, are real top quality drivers. You know, you, you look at the top guys and you watch watch the race craft and, and how they put the whole weekend together. Um, and, uh, and it's really impressive, you know, they're, they're proper, proper guys. But the nature of that racing, how that's evolved, there's inevitably a little more contact than there is in some other series. So, you know, that, that would make, I guess, racing a touring car around Casacombe sort of uh, a different challenge really uh, but then all you have to think mm. well, people love going to race at monaco and there's no runoff area there so you know it's sort of yeah it's um, yeah a, a yeah a different way of thinking about it yeah no i, I... I think that's the yeah that's the thing Nigel having someone like yourself you know obviously the training that you do as well obviously you, you, know, you train other places and i get this class's question a lot i've been telling people if people come up to me, like I said, you, I'm not. But people come up to me and they say about doing track days, and they and they say they've got this, you know, 800 brake horsepower, um, you know, skyline or whatever. And, and I say, you know, well, what's your experience? You know, and they say, well, well, no, I, you know, I just thought I'd come and do a track day. And I always say to myself, well, you know, I think you should go and get an instructor. Um, and you know, you don't need an 800 brake horsepower skyline, do you? No, <laughs> no. Start with this and drive that to the limit. And once you've driven that to the limit, then take yeah. the next step up and get faster, and then drive that to the limit. Uh, you know, so many people I've raced with yeah. uh, and coached and worked with, you know, quite often I'll take them into Fun Cup because that's that's ultimately one of my favourite racing cars ever is the Fun Cup. Um, and it's a it's a great fun series. It's really friendly. Yeah. The races four hours long, so you yeah. get lots of driving time. And it's nice because the tyres and the brakes will last four hours without going off. So your fastest yeah. lap could be after four hours or after five minutes. So it's a pure driver's series in many ways, that, uh, which uh, which makes it mm. great. It's only got 100 and, uh, it's 135 horsepower. Um, but to drive that on the limit is a real challenge. Uh, and I remember... Yeah. Years and years ago, um, I'd raced uh, at sort of uh, after I'd raced the Tyrrells in the Boss Series. Some years later, I then raced the Benettons that, that Schumacher had won his championships with. Um, and I'd raced one at Donington Park. And then about five days later, I was testing a fun cut uh, at Donington. And in the Benetton, we'd been going around Donington uh, at about 56 seconds. Uh, and in the fun cut, we're doing about 1 minute 25. But the fun cut was more of a challenge going down to the Craner Curves. Uh, than the Benetton, because the Benetton had downforce and slicks. And we were doing about 170 miles an hour down the craners, and the Fun Cup does, you know, it peaks out at about 100 miles an hour with a, with a tailwind. Uh, but it was more of a challenge. And so as a driver, you know, that made it very exciting. And a lot yeah. of coach and, and help get into the sport 
you know, I try and convince them to come and do something simple to really build their skills and develop from there. We, we get it. Uh, I mean, and, and what, what you, so when you bring people, when you bring people to Castle King, then what what is it you're sort of telling them? What is it you're saying about you know about our circuit? Is it would it interest me? Go flat out and take lots of chances. <laughs> and I would tell Leslie said that. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the irony, Nigel. I was just about to say is we've been getting a lot of uh, compliments from uh, clearly people that you've been uh, working with, uh, <laughs> training them uh, around, in, including uh, we're even getting comments from abroad as well, look, from South Florida. Oh, easy to talk to. Oh, Dean. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So you've been getting plenty. Uh, an interesting question here then. And we know, you know, it's, we accept that this is now sort of stepping away briefly from, from Castle Coon for a second. But favourite track in the US, I think I, you've already largely answered that, but please tell us anyway. And Europe overall? Um, Europe overall, it'd be, uh, oh, crikey, it'd be between, uh, between Castle Coon, uh, because with Castle Coon, it's fast, it's undulating, and, the, and it's unforgiving. So... You, you know, you take a deep breath and you really focus and concentrate when you come to Castle Coon to, to go fast. Uh, and, and uh, you know, as a person, that's really rewarding then. Um, but then you look at other tracks, you look like, you know, like uh, the, uh, the Nürburgring, the Nordschleife. Um, that's, that's fantastic. Um, trying to think of uh, some other tracks. I mean, there's, there's... Spa must be a good one for you, surely. It, it used to be. Um, oh, really? It, unfortunately, it's too much of a Formula One track now with the runoff areas and the smooth tarmac. So uh, it, it's still fun, and I still love going there. Um, and uh, and the scenery is fantastic, and and the people there are great fun, and the racing there is great. Uh, but sort of like you go to like a Rouge, and now there's huge tarmac runoff areas all around and everything like that. Where it used to, when I first went there, it used to be grass, and you know then you see pictures from you know, sort of years before I went there and uh, and it was even more of a challenge. So when you live through a period of, and see an evolution of a track like that, and that just makes it easier for people to make mistakes and recover from, that takes away the challenge. And, and, it, and it always surprises me that drivers like top drivers allow things like that to happen because all it does is it gives the appearance of series becoming more competitive when actually it's just a lot easier to to drive those circuits and get away from mistakes. Mm. Fair enough. That's interesting to know because a lot of people mention somewhere like Spa. And have you already mentioned the US one? You mentioned Sebring. Is that your favourite US? It, it probably is. I, I love Sebring because because of you know because of what it is and it's got an amazing history. Uh, the people there are wonderful and the racing there is just fantastic. And, and it doesn't matter what you're racing. You know, I've raced. You know, Master MX-5 and had a totally brilliant time. And I've raced, you know, fortunate to, uh, to race like Porsche 962s and Riley and Scott's and, and stuff like that. And it, it doesn't matter what car you're in around there, you know, just going flat out around there is a real thrill. Um, Daytona's another one uh, because of the pure speed. Uh, so um, I'm fortunate to do a number of the uh, HSR series uh, in America, and they do the, uh, the classic 24 at Daytona each November. Uh, um, that's so special being there because it's a great group of people, great racing. But the circuit, just being on the banking, driving flat out at night, is such a thrill. So yeah, that's a special one. But America's fortunate that they've got so many real racers tracks. Um, 
it's uh, it's always exciting going there. On, on a European front, have you done Monaco in like one of the classic things or anything? No, not yet. Uh, I'd love to. Um, nearly have once or twice, but it's never quite happened. Uh, so yeah, that's one of the many ambitions I've got that uh, I still want to try and achieve. That that's impressive then. So I mean, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember now. What is it? You've been racing for some. Was it, uh, apologies, I'm going to say it was something like 50 years. Is that right? No, it's a, it's 150 years. <laughs> <laughs> but the point, my point being, is that you've still got bucket list stuff that you still want to do, and I, I love that. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, there's there's so much racing and rallying out there that I want to. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's just, that's what's so exciting each year is like, yeah, there's so many new adventures to go and pursue. So lot, lots to do. Have do you, you, sorry, Tom, I just no. follow that up on that. Have you sort of, has your preference switched more to the, the historic race, which is a massive scene now, or would you still like to jump into some, um, some modern stuff as well? Oh no, I do, I do everything. So, so last year, I was racing uh, LMP3, uh, Ligier oh, yeah. from Canada, uh, and Radicals as well, and then GT cars, and, and then Historics as well. So it, it, ultimately, it doesn't matter. If it's an engine that's got wheels, then... Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, funny enough, um, I was going to say, you know, when is you know, with the different disciplines that you've done, is there something that you, is it just the fact that it's got an engine and you can throw it, you know, throw it around at, you know, and push it? Or is there, you know, is there like you were talking about rallying before you went online, is there something that you kind of feel now that you should have stuck to or would have wanted to have done, preferred or move into? No, not at all. No, because it sort of, um, you know, uh, yeah, I've, I've sort of, uh, race for 32 years now, uh, so hopefully I'll achieve the 50 that Chris is uh, thinking. Yeah, of. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and sort of some years ago, there were there were uh, one or two different people that I drove for that wanted me to focus purely on one thing, uh, and that was never for me. You know, I just uh, mm. I could never provide the amount of races that I wanted to do. Uh, mm. So for last year, uh, uh, I can't remember how many races I did now, but. Um, uh, it, it was something like 30 weekends of racing and uh, and then 10 rallies uh, so so there isn't one team that I could drive for that would uh, that would be able to provide all of that um, also and you don't you don't sort of see that you just literally I mean you know apologies but you just jump in from one car to another and just you know change your driving style slightly and that's it. Isn't that simple I've watched him do it. I've watched him do it. I've been at the events where he's jumped into various different things and totally different. At Brand Hatch, Nigel, you were sort of racing in, I can't remember, like three different things or something. <laughs> yeah. And why not? Why you've got. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think my record was uh, seven cars in five races in one day uh, wow. at Donington. Uh, and and it, the, the amusing bit was, that I could only remember which ones were left-hand drive and right-hand drive by where I stood in the pit lane for the driver change in the pit stop. Uh, other than that, people would say, oh, so is it left-hand drive, right-hand drive? No idea. Uh, and then I took a picture where I stood in the pit lane for the driver changes. <laughs> Chris, we've got some good questions. Um, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we've got some good questions uh, popping in. Yeah, we, uh, this is a slightly longer one, so we don't get it all on the screen. But uh, Daniel Davis is asking, he remembers his dad in the tavern having a conversation with you and I'm assuming he's referring to when you were in the F1 car and you said yeah. that apparently you lost the top gear. Uh, how much faster do you think you could have gone? 
Oh, the, the, well, there's always ways of going faster. Um, what, what was interesting at Castlecombe with the Tyrrell was that, as I mentioned earlier, it was pouring of rain for the first practice session. Um, at that point, we still managed to get under the previous lap record, which was great fun. And then in qualifying, the track was wet, uh, so we're still on wet tyres, but it wasn't raining, so it was drying. Uh, and we went uh, somewhat quicker then. And so the first lap on slick tyres was the first lap of the race. Um, and that was, that was you know, you, you then, it was great because you, you're then learning as you race. Uh, so that was really exciting. Um, and with the car, uh, I remember we had, a, um, because of all the bumps and, oh, sorry, the undulations, uh, <laughs> and the fact that it was in midair at various times, um, excuse me, it, it, um, it did some damage to the gearbox. And I think, from memory, we were stuck in fifth gear uh, for the last sort of three or four laps of the race. Um, but uh, fortunately, we're doing a fast circuit. It's quite easy to continue like that. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, another question here. Sam Tompkins, one of our own uh, drivers in one of the local series. Um, do you have a website, Nigel, for your coaching? I've actually copied in the www.nigelgreensall.com forward slash tuition. Is that the best place to go? Yeah, or just phone me. Yeah, <laughs> or send me. It's on that website. The number's on that website, isn't it? I think. Uh, yeah, go onto the website and uh, drop me an email. That's the that's the best thing to do. Uh, yeah. So yeah, double check the numbers there. An <laughs> 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 interesting question here then is from uh, Matt Coyle, who is actually championship coordinator for the uh, saloon car championship at Castle Coombwich. If you've not watched it yet, Nigel, you've got to. It's just bumper field, amazing racing. Um, he says, what would be your ultimate production car to drive around Cartacoom? And I know there's a video of you breaking the uh, Ferrari Open record, isn't there, for example? But what would you say the ultimate production car around Coom would be? Oh, the, the, the Ferrari thing was really funny because uh, it's a friend of mine, Wayne Mars, that I've coached over the years. Lovely, lovely guy. Real fast racer as well. Um, and uh, we were doing doing a, a track day at Castlecombe, uh, and so I just drove him round, uh, just chatting to him about the lines and stuff like that. And it's only afterwards we realised that we'd been under the lap record. So, <laughs> so for a laugh, we put that up on YouTube. Um, and, um, and what I always tell people when you go out with an instructor is that don't panic; they're probably driving at about 90 percent. You disproved that theory for me right in that video. <laughs> Well, well, Wayne's a really, really fast racer. Uh, so, uh, so I know whenever I'm going out with him in a car, I've got to be like, right, okay, let's let's you know, let's see how fast we really can go. Uh, and it's it's all great working with folk like that. Do you um, hopefully when we start racing again? Do you reckon we could uh, get you into a guest appearance at one of, either in the saloons or something? Oh, yeah, definitely. Be a good call out. Yeah, de definitely. You know, in all of the series, you know, um, yeah, we're, sort of, yeah. If if there's a car that needs driving, then I'll be there. So, um, yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, what would be fun would be to come back um, and see if, uh, see what it's possible to do with the uh, the lap record. Now you've got the chicanes in as well. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and that would yeah. be interesting yeah, to yeah. do. And, uh, uh, and there'll be a whole host of things. Um, yeah. An interesting question that's, uh, I don't know whether this is going to get me in trouble for this question, but I'm going to assume it's going to mean something to you. Jeff Dingwall saying, hey, Nigel, do you still like race styles? Does that mean anything to you? <laughs> Jeff, 
Um, I'm assuming it's the same one is the uh, worked with MNC on the Jaguar E-types. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, they, they prepare fantastic E-types. They really do. They're a great, great family team to work with. Uh, that would make sense because the next one is, do you still like racing Jaguar E-types? <laughs> well, well done. You knew. <laughs> well, it was it was great because, um, uh, Tom, that was when we first met. Was It was the Autumn Classic, uh, I think 2017. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I've been hired by Chris Milner to race his E-type. And uh, it's mm. going to race with Chris because, again, he's a real racer and uh, loves racing all sorts of stuff. So with, with Chris, I've raced E-types, uh, a Lister costing Chevrolet, which is sort of uh, like just a real wild beast thing, uh, a Cobra, and, and even um, uh, Mazda MX-5s in America as well. So, so Chris loves, loves going racing. In fact, oh, there's the E-type. Um, and so Jeff and the, the MNC team uh, built that car, which is absolutely superb to race. And um, yeah, that we, we did the GTSCC uh race that time in the autumn classic and it was very funny because we went to the driver's briefing and uh at the end of the driver's briefing they announced okay so there's a there's a case of champagne for the uh, overall pole position uh, and me and chris walked out laughing about that thinking well we're in a class three car so it doesn't apply to us so we just laughed about that and walked off uh but fortunately for us it then rained for qualifying and we ended up on overall pole and got the case of champagne so uh <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun day, that one. That was one of Rodney's uh, little little tricks he used to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think we donated most of it to the MNC team. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think they went home happy. <laughs> uh, on that same uh, day, Nigel, I'm going to just bring up, uh, hopefully it won't take too long to bring this one up, because I know that this was something special personally for you because you'd always wanted to be in one of these big bangers the formula 5000 and you got to take one of these round castle coombe as well i did yeah yeah it's a friend of ours uh neil glover that uh that owned the lola uh, and the chevron f5000s and uh i'd introduced rodney to neil earlier in the year and uh rodney had said about would it be possible to get them down there and neil, uh, kindly arranged for that to happen and uh, so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a real dream come true to drive a Formula 5000 because I remember as a kid seeing those rates and reading about them. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic car. So hopefully one day I'll get to race one on a regular basis. Yeah, well, and I'd love to see something like that back uh, and you taking that round at speed. That would be uh, rather special, to say the least. Uh, I'm going to ask this question, but sadly, I think that the answer to this is probably not dictated by you. but. Um, he said, do, are we likely to see you back in a Tyrrell F1 car again? We'd love to see you in a demo lap at the Classic, but we'd have to keep mm. it a noise level, I think, wouldn't we, Tom? Yeah, de definitely, yeah. I mean, obviously, I could never agree to sanction such a thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it'd have to be totally off the cards. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, obviously, something like that parts up in the, you know, parts up in the, uh, in, the, in the pits and things for people to look at. And you yeah. never know, rogue, rogue racing drivers and keys, sometimes they go off on a tangent where you can't stop them. Um, so no, can we, can we distrust you, Nigel? <laughs> say, say again, Chris. Can we distrust you to do that, Nigel? <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> I'll have my earplugs in, so I won't hear a thing. <laughs> where, where, interesting, where are those cars now? Where, where are they, do you know? 
I, I don't actually. Um, some years ago, uh, I was racing in America and um, uh, in a Riley and Scott, as it happened, and um, we're at the Cota track in Texas. Um, and in the in, in the sort of uh, in the next area in the paddock, uh, we saw one of the Tyrrell O two twos, absolutely identical uh, to the mm. one raced at, at Casco. Uh, so me and Nicky strolled across and uh, met the chap that owned it at the time, and uh, he's ended up be, becoming a real good friend, uh, a guy called Phil Stratford, um, and he also had a Benetton, uh, so um, he raced in the Boss Series in uh, in America. Uh, he also raced in the Boss Series in Europe. Uh, so I've I've worked with Phil since. I've, I've uh, driven in Benetton uh, at Road America and various other places as well, and had a had a great time with him. But where where the cars are, I really don't mm. know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a lot of it, isn't it? Is where where they end up. I'm sure there'll be someone out there willing to lend us something uh, fairly similar. Like you say some of these things are still running around, aren't they? In various series. Yeah, well, the Europe is really uh, a real good series around Europe uh, and also in America. Um, and months ago, I was over in America testing a, a current GP2 car or F2 car uh, for a, for an American customer that I coach. Uh, that races um, in America in the Boss Series with that car, so that was uh, that was fantastic. That was in sort of um, like Ferrari livery, if you like. So uh, yeah, it was great, great fun to uh, to be testing that. And to be honest, sorry, I say with, with modern technology now, it's probably something a lot quicker, anyway, isn't it? In fairness, yeah, it may, it may well be. Um, yeah, but I, I guess. Um, what would be uh, be interesting is like the current breed of Formula One cars. Uh, yeah. it, it's totally impossible for privateers to run those. Uh, with with the Tyrrell, uh, there was there was there was two guys that were that were running it. Let's say Tony Frost, mm -hmm. main main guy running it. Uh, so you could run it as a as a very simple, straightforward car. We had a Judd engine, uh, as a lot of people in the Boss series did, and mm -hmm. would always send an engineer along and uh, and oversee what everybody was doing with those. And that was really good. Uh, so very simple cars in those days. Well, there's yeah. a, an aside on that. I was chatting uh, online earlier today with um, a, a racing driver that, that I've got to know, another one over the years, that's that a good uh, good friend of mine, uh, James Densley, who's been racing in like the Monopostos and things like that. But he's also running the uh, TDF1, Track Day F1 car, where from memory it's a different engine in it so that we haven't got an issue with noise uh, restrictions but the idea being is they're creating something that's like the nearest that joe blogs can get to, to run in a car and I'm, it's something we may end up getting him on the show uh, the show at some point over the coming weeks to actually discuss it in more detail but the fact that you know with the people that are watching will be people you know as, as well as the the people that view the racing we'll have some of our racing drivers watching yourself here now included nigel is that Surely that would be something that, that you guys would kill to be able to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of, yeah, if it's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it could be really, really interesting. And okay. it, it's such a shame that noise has become such an issue in uh, in, in motorsport. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's something that's noticeable in America that they don't have any issue with noise at all. You know, they accept that sort of, you know, if you, if you have a racetrack, and you move near that racetrack, then you get noise from the race cars, but also you get lots of benefits of people coming to visit the town and the town prospering and so on. And uh, and that's a that's a really sort of healthy attitude. It really is. It's sort of yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, being aware that other people 
you know, have uh, have hobbies and uh, and uh, everyone can benefit from that. Um, other questions then to go off on. This is a good one because we brought this sort of subject area up last time, didn't we, Tom, on the first show? Yeah. Is about the eye racing, you know, the sim racing. And I know you said that you were playing something, but it didn't sound particularly modern to me. But uh, what do you think of this big explosion of sim racing and eye racing? And is it something that, that you would do uh, at the moment more and more? Like actually in leagues and championships, they seem to be doing at the minute. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks fun. Uh, sort of, I'm uh, I'm sort of keeping myself busy. I've, uh, I've got the Tony Stewart sprint car racing game on PlayStation 4 and uh, totally loving that. So uh, completely addicted to, to that. That's that's fantastic racing. Um, but I'm not actually racing sort of against anybody else online or anything like that, just having purely for fun. Um, and the iRacing, it, it, it sort of now is a moment for it to become sort of very popular. Um, it, it's it's an interesting one really because uh, with stuff like that it, it it can be useful to learn circuits but it can also be dangerous you know i know i've had experiences where somebody spent a lot of time on a simulator learned a track and then gone out and crashed on the first lap yeah. and then well, it's not like it was on the simulator it's like well, no, it's real life you know uh, so i think sort of keeping it in sort of in context of what it is it's fun but you know, it, it won't give the sensations and the excitement of racing. And I think that that's a big thing. I was on uh, um, as a guest on another show with uh, Radio Show Limited, and uh, and it was with uh, Matt Hunter that we were talking about the, the you know he's the head of tour of the Online Racing Association, and I said that it's amazing how it's exploded. I mean, in my role as a commentator, that's now even bigger about getting even involved in the commentary of it as well. And <laughs> I'm really excited about doing where you've got big stages and everybody's doing it and. I would be interested to give it a go. And I said that the big thing is, is instead of trying to go, it's a place to start to try and transition to the real circuit, is it's like going, look, yes, maybe that might happen, but not that many have done it. It's actually in its own right. It stands up. People that do on circuits in real cars have, I don't necessarily transition to the iRacing and vice versa. So how about they're massive in their own right with the technology now. It's so realistic, isn't it? Yeah, and and ultimately, if it gets more people to come and race cars and become involved in motorsport and spectate yeah. and, and and sort of work at circuits and and experience the real world of racing, then it's fantastic. And um, yeah, I've always enjoyed all the all the gaming and stuff like that. It's it's great fun, and um, yeah, you know, I, I love it. Um, sort of as I say, I've never I've never you know I've, I've experienced a number of simulators, and I've yet to experience one that that gives them the feel of being in a in a proper car. So, um, is it is it Louise, isn't it? Louise, um, is it Louise Goodman, isn't it? Who's got the training centre up at Silverstone? Is that right? And yeah, I yeah, think yeah. she's doing quite a lot with the sim stuff, isn't she? Well, in the fact that it shares the same building, you got uh, iZone. She's in the same uh, office suite and setup suite with iZone. And what you'll get is that a lot of the and I think that refers to Ni what Nigel said a minute ago is that mm -hmm. you've got sim racing in general but what you get a lot there is there's a lot of the coaching and nigel with your coaching is that a lot of them are getting involved with doing both on track and on sim and if they've got a race say in the british touring cars or in the renault clio cup or something like that at brands hatch for argument's sake they will be at iZone getting some practice and coaching in there as well and then of course louise 
does uh, um, uh, media training and the like with them as well. So that's the biggest area that's done. But everybody's getting involved with a little bit more because we're not getting paid yeah. any markets at the minute, as you know. So it's like it makes yeah. sense. Got to bring this question up because I love this one from James Downton. You talk about racing all sorts of things. What about trucks? I've commentated on them. They are different. <laughs> yeah, you, can't, you can't run them at King before anyone else. <laughs> no. I've, I've seen them on TV and we've seen them at Brands Hatch occasionally when we'd be down there testing and stuff, and it looked fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, that, that sounds like fun. You'd give that a crack then. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of my uh, commentator buddies, Josh Barrett, and in fact, he's, uh, as of this year, is, is part of the uh, Castle Coombe commentary team as well. Uh, one of the first times he went to Castle Coombe as a spectator, back in the British GT days, so what was that, 2005 when we sadly lost that, um, and he says, assume that Nigel was in the TVR T400 back then. Yeah, in, in fact, uh, it was for me, it was 2004 uh, in British GT. And uh, yeah, I was racing a TVR um, uh, with a friend of mine. I think uh, John O'Coleman uh, was in the car with me. Uh, a, and he's one of the fastest sort of uh, co-drivers I've ever had. Um, and it was great racing with him uh, around Castlecoon. And from memory, we led the race for a while, but then lost out in the pit stop somehow. Uh, maybe Jono was having a cup of tea or something like that, and uh, that delayed us getting back in uh, into the race. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was great having Nicky. Really <laughs> is that Nicky's fault again? Making the tea? That was, that was pre-Nicky. That's why. So that's like that's, that's how she got the job. She made it quicker, so he didn't lose time. I got yeah. <laughs> um, John is now busy down at uh, in uh, Western Supermare. Uh, that's where his family come from. So they run uh, a group of car dealerships and stuff like that down there. So oh, okay, so Castle Road is his, his local track. Yeah, okay, no, that's cool. Well, we've got yeah. both the Masons are watching us. Uh, we've got uh, Emma and uh, Chris Mason both watching, both from the uh, the medical uh, crew at Castle Coombe, and of course, in this situation, even further reaching. And God bless you both. Thank you yeah. for everything you're doing. Uh, we love you to pieces for everything and everybody on the front line in this uh, awful time. And hence, we're doing something like this, hopefully trying to bring a bit of cheer and, and escapism for you all. Um, if we're not and making you laugh, then apologies, it's Tom's fault. But bring that one up is that he was the first one that said, Would love to see Nigel having another crack at the lap record. And uh, and our very own Cheryl Davis has said it as well. She's part of the uh, the, the, the workforce at uh, Carter Doom and the other half to um, uh, Kevin Mills, the Kevin Mills rating that run the Formula Fords. Yeah. So they're wanting you to come back, and I say it's going to be setting a new post chicane lap record, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, that'd be uh, that'd be absolutely fantastic. In fact, I was I was down there. Um, what would it be? Probably all, uh, October time, uh, just before you had your championship finals, uh, and I was testing a noble that's running in the in the sort of GT series, um, and it was great fun because we were, we were I think from memory we were going around in like one hundred twos, one hundred threes, something like that. And um, yeah, it's fantastic car to drive around there, and that made me think, oh, it'd be great to come back here in a in a sports car or something. And uh, in in a in a Formula Three car would be interesting. I was having a conversation. I think the lap record post um, uh, chicane is a Formula Three car. Yeah. What was it? Fifty six point something, I think it is. Um, okay. 
and that was in 2005 before we then lost the the formula threes and you now look at how that technology moved on and, and i'm good friends with uh, alex fours who was in the monopostos last year and his dad richard fours yeah. alex is a young driver and phenomenally quick and he's stepping into f3 cup this year well god willing that we're able to get racing going again and it's yeah. in one of um uh oh god who is it i got mental block who's lewis hamilton's teammate this year um and uh, uh Bottas. Yeah, Bottas is old Formula Three car they're in this year. And he's like breaking records and things like that. And and this is run by Chris Dittman Racing, of course, the big name in Formula Three uh yeah. team preparation and what have you. And uh they were sort of trying to work out backwards what they thought they could do in this more slightly more modern. It's still not the, the most up to date, but it's more modern. And they think that they could beat that 2005 lap record and possibly, possibly even beat the pre-chicane lap record as well. Yeah. Even if they took the chicane. So it would be good to see you in something like that, surely. Yeah. Yeah. And F3 might be really good around there, actually, because it's a lot. Because, of course, the Tyrrell is quite a big car. Exactly. And so if you get in something like a Formula 3 that's much narrower and everything, uh, that could be quite slippery. Obviously, wouldn't have the power that the Formula One car had, but uh, yeah, you might have more time to tune it and uh, and get uh, get more potential out of it. I'm, and I'm going to come back to the Formula One because I want to step into your mind as you were on that lap in a moment. But I'm just uh, conscious that we've got um, a few bits and pieces, other questions coming in. Have any jumped out to you, Tom? Just in that, quite interesting. Matt Coyle, they're asking about electric, and 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 interestingly, um, I had a meeting. A brief meeting with um, the team principal of Virgin DS Racing a couple of years ago, and tried to persuade them to come down and test with us. Uh, it was a, a toss-up between going down to Spain uh, or coming to Keene in the middle of the winter, and the reason they chose Spain. But um, yeah, it was a conversation we, we wanted, we had with them because um, I said, look, we're really interested to see and, and what it would do as well. Because I think again, you know, that's something a lot of people ask questions about. But I don't know, Nigel, if you've raced anything electric at all. No, not yet. Although I did start off in skeleton, so maybe that counts. <laughs> well, uh, expanding on the electric as well, I've even got this one. I was I was drawn to this one as well. Chris, uh, he thanked me for the comments and what have you, and their little and Joshua's missing coon. But it says, what about a Le Mans LMP1 round coon? Now that might be too big to really be able to to stretch its legs, wouldn't it? Oh no, I think that'd be fantastic. It's it's quite yeah. some. Um, uh, so separate to all the racing I do on the on the sort of sidelines, if you like, uh, Self and Nikki have a, a race team based up at Bruntingthorpe, uh, and so we look after fun cups, we build rally cars and everything. But then separate to that, Ryan uh, Ryan Hawkins, our chief mechanic, is rebuilding a Riley and Scott LMP1 uh, at the moment, uh, which is on pause at the moment. But we'll get back to it uh, when all the restrictions are lifted and we get back to work and. Uh, so that that would be uh, that'd be a lot of fun around uh, Castlecombe because that's uh, about seven hundred horsepower and uh, about seven hundred and eighty kilos. So uh, that would be a lot of fun. It's okay. Identical to that Riley's got a race at Brands Hatch a couple of years ago, which is just a beautiful, beautiful car. It really is. It just it is unique, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it it was lovely because those were built in the late nineties. Uh, for the American sports car series, or Grand Am, uh, I think it was probably called in those days. Um, and they were built for customers to be able to buy them and go and race Daytona 24 hours and Sebring 12 hours. 
And you could then, as a customer, you could either have a Ford engine, Chevrolet engine, or Judd engine, um, and then put the package together, and away you go and go racing. Uh, so, yeah, a wonderful era of sports cars. It's sort of we're very lucky now that uh, we've got one in the workshop that we're rebuilding for uh, for the owner, and uh, hopefully have that out in the summer. Oh, I like the sound of that, and I look forward mm. to that. You, you mentioned about over in America as well, Nigel. Is that uh, Andy Hawkins says? What's your thoughts on sport car racing in America? <laughs> I think this might be the Andy Hawkins, whose son Ryan is our chief mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Andy that's responsible for Ryan's behaviour. Um, <laughs> Ryan's been having his mom wash one of our vans this week in their front drive, so uh, keeping them busy. <laughs> good. Um, that, that's something that I'm uh, I'm working on. So a good friend of mine uh, over in America, Rick Reducha. Uh, or Rapid Rick, as we call him. He's a lovely, lovely guy. And um, so we see him every time we go racing in America, and he just knows everything and knows everybody. And uh, so, yeah, one of one of the things I want to race is a sprint car in America. Uh, hence, I'm practicing on the Tony Stewart game in the, uh, on the PlayStation. I don't think that's quite that realistic, but anyway, it's good fun. <laughs> I thought there was probably a link there to that one. Um, <laughs> uh, we got... People just asking about Coon being in games, and it has been in some. It's probably going to be in some in the future and what have you. Right, Nigel, I was going to go on to the lap, Tom. Have you got any more questions to ask before I go into sort of a bit more detail about that lap in the F1? No, I, th no, I, I think um, no, I think I know where you're going to go with it, and I think uh, I think that's what people want to hear, isn't it? So crack on. Uh, it is. When you look at, for example, Jason Bites just commented, I still remember Nigel screaming up Avon Rise in the XF1 car and chucking it into quarry, being sat there as a 10-year-old kid, what a sight, and what sounds and everything else about it. Um, uh, you know, it, it is. And I uh, grew up as well as a five-year-old to start with at Quarry Corner. And the, the, the best thing is to, to, I want to really go into detail, talk us through. So you then came round, you've been winding this car up on the, the warm-up lap or whatever. You've now got your first one uh, ready to go. You're coming in towards camp corner and you're about to then grip it and rip it to get that run along the start finish straight up towards Avon Rise. What was that like? I just kept my eyes closed. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great fun because we, um, as I say, we'd had, it had been pouring of rain for the first practice uh, and that was the big thrill, you know, sort of like trying to, trying to survive that. Uh, and then it was wet, uh, but still on wet tires, uh, but drying. For qualifying, and so so we had that little sort of fairly gentle build-up, but quite exciting. Uh, so actually, then going around on slicks in the sunshine in the afternoon was so easy compared to like nine o'clock in the morning when I was aquaplaning, uh, and it was just fantastic. I remember going around and seeing all the crowds, and the whole circuit was lined with people, um, and it, and it was really fun, like looking at that and watching watching people's reactions while I was going around. And seeing how much uh, enjoyment and how much excitement they were getting out of it was, uh, yeah, was was one of the real highlights of it. So down the start, finish straight, flat out through folly, the first right hand kink. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I I hear and I quote this actually when when I'm hosting the Castlecombe Racing School. So if you want to get out on circuit, go to the castlecombecircuit.co.uk website. And you can go, you can get out on uh, in Fiestas to start with, with the instructors. You can go in the Formula Ford single seaters, which is amazing. The Lotus Elises, which are amazing. And you get to learn it. And I always talk about this when I'm doing the intro. 
is that by all accounts, up Avon Rise, before throwing the anchors out the back for one of the country's most challenging corners in quarry, 185 miles an hour. Is that fiction or fact? I think it was a tad less than that, but it sort of it was it was in the 180 bracket. Uh, I remember going up there and over the undulations because the rear wheels are coming off the ground. We're getting wheel spin in sixth gear at about sort of 175, 180 mile an hour, whatever it was. Uh, so that was always really good fun. It was great fun feeling that and trying to settle it enough to sweep left and then, uh, as you say, get it all slowed down, ready to, to turn right. That must, I mean, your heart rate must have been through the roof with that. No, it's, it's just exciting, isn't it? It's just really good fun. I know, but it's just, because that is a challenging corner. Fact, isn't it? You know, Kauai Corner is a very challenge. What with the, the crest of Avon Rise and, and then the, the, the nature of it, minimal runoff. I, as I always say, there's a reason why it's the busiest spectator corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that tells a tale, doesn't it? It just really does. A bit, yeah, just a bit, myself including for, for, for you know, a couple of decades or whatever it was before I got involved in the cons. But um, did you, and forgive me, because of course we've had this conversation, is that I'm, I didn't get the chance to race. And that, as they say, those that can do it, those that can't talk about it. <laughs> um, did you break before the the crest or after the crest or a bit of both? Oh, it was, it was, it was after the crest. Um, as I swept left, you're trailing off the speed. Um, so with, the, with the, the Formula One cars of that era, when you, when you lift off the accelerator, you're slowing down at the rate of 1G. Uh, and so, so it's like putting the brakes on. So the moment you lift off, the car's slowing down. So, so I figured that actually I didn't need to brake for the left hander. All I need to do is roll off the throttle, and that would that would that would achieve everything I needed because it's got hand force on it. I mean, just to pick up on that then, and I know Tom said, and I sort of backed up that you do. You jump from car to car. Now that is totally different with that level of downforce to anything else at what point did you have you know get the confidence to use it to its maximum uh well you just you just drive it to you know as fast as you possibly can um and it's sort of uh one of the challenges with that was as i touched on earlier we, we didn't get much practice you know throughout the whole time i was driving those um i you know i think we did one day of testing and that and that was limited to about 40 laps or something. Um, and I don't think we did any more than that um, because, you know, we can't afford to put that many miles on it. So so when you see like the Formula One guys go off testing and they'll do, you know, 150 laps in an afternoon, yeah. that's a different world totally. And and for me, it's a bit like when I go testing with a fun cup, you know, we were, we were sort of, you know, uh, a few weeks ago around testing a fun cup. And, um, you know, as a group, I think we did you know, over 100 laps in one day around Donington. Uh, and I know how you perfect everything you do from doing that number of laps in one car uh, on a circuit on a day. Uh, so the exciting bit with those with the, sort of the, like the boss series and driving the Tyrrells was, was learning while you're in the races and just and, and challenging yourself to see how fast you could go and to, to see if you can find, you know, you know, dig deeper and deeper and, and yeah, just get the most out of it. So it's safe to say that uh, given the, the lap, you know, the time on track, you'd have got even quicker in that Tyrrell then? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever uh, sort of done a lap where I've sort of, you know, there's been a number of laps where I've got out of a car, taken a deep breath, 
and thought, whoa, that was amazing. And then you sit down, you have a cup of tea, and then you go, actually, no, I can go faster than that. Um, so, um, so, and with that Tyrrell, that was always the case. Sort of, I remember doing a really great lap round Donington Park uh, in the Tyrrell um, to get a pole position. And it, and it was it was interesting because um, because we're in the '94 cars when Donington had the uh, the Grand Prix in 1993. It was interesting to see what what their lap times were relative to what we, we were then doing in the Eurobus uh, a few years later, but in a 94 car. So it's a kind of similar era car. Uh, and I remember doing a really, really fantastic lap and thinking, wow, crikey, you know, that that sort of that took my breath away. And then about half an hour later thinking, oh, no, there's more to find. Um, and, and with Casacombe, yeah, there was, you know, I'm absolutely sure, you know, that there'd be more to find. And I think Probably now as well, I'd now be much faster than I was then because I've got more knowledge and more experience. Uh, yeah. And I also have done a lot more racing. So, so able to. 50 years it. worth. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. So, you've now uh, taken round Quarry Corner. You're down the straight. There's no chicane down this straight this time. So, you're. Next of action is the scarily fast with no runoff whatsoever, uh, old paddock. Yeah, that was fantastic. Wow, and how 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 was that taken? Was that flat out or not quite? I I, I don't honestly remember. Um, I, I think we were going through in Top Gear. Uh, I don't ever remember doing it completely flat out. I feel that I will probably have lifted maybe to half throttle and got gone into the corner and then gone flat out again. But um, it, it, it's such a shame that in those days we didn't have cameras on the cars because I would yeah. now, you know, I'd be as excited as everybody else to sit and watch that and think, wow, you know, what was that like? Well, it's the same and, you know, not as much on the side of the circuit either is there because I've been looking around desperately trying to find a video even from the, from the banks and there's just, I've not been able to find anything yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, we've very. You don't get away with anything anymore, Mister Greensill. We can see it all on people's cameras all around the circuit. Um, all right, so you've taken this out. You know, one of the uh, again, it's, it's probably one of those ones that it's no surprise we had the chicane put in there because I mean that was just a phenomenal corner with minimal runoff. It's yeah. still a challenge even now because you're on the power from the uh, from the S, but. You're now heading down. There's a, a little left kink before you get to tower. Fair yeah. to assume that that's going to be flat out. But you've then got what some cars sort of uh, almost sort of like have this double apex uh, feel round round tower. That would have been a bit slower. That one. Yeah, that because so we'd have it was a six speed gearbox, um, and we'd have, we'd arrive in in sixth gear. So we'd have been uh, sixth gear through camp and then uh, round and then coming down into tower. Would have then break from sixth down to third. Um, and the way I've always tended to drive tower is one long apex. So where you've got the rumble strip running around the inside, I tend to just hold that apex all the way around. Because it's for me, I always feel it's a slightly off camber corner. So I don't want to let go of the apex. So I try and sort of roll in as fast as I can, and I'm losing speed all the way down to the midpoint of the corner. And, and if I've survived up to that point, I then feel ready to accelerate out of it. <laughs> Incredible. And then, of course, you're, you're on the power dramatically. 
And then another one is that in the same sort of mold as Old Paddock is that you're now into to camp corner, the final corner to start finish straight at full chat. Yeah. With minimal runoff again. How, how were you able to take that corner? Um, yeah, actually, I just realised, of course, I was thinking, yeah, Old Paddock, I'd confuse the name with camp. But yeah, so camp being the final corner on the approach, um, it can be a little bit bumpy on the approach. Um, and it's always a great challenge to try and find exactly where you need to turn in. Uh, and quite often I'll use uh, the grid markings and the paint on the road to try and see something. But of course, with the Tyrrell, you're arriving fairly quickly. So that's <laughs> fairly fast. Uh, so again, I think we're approaching that at about 175-ish, something like that, I would imagine. Um, uh, and for memory, I think it was fourth gear through Camp Corner um, and trying to sort of not bounce too wide from the apex. So. I was trying to be careful there because it, it's so easy to take too much apex, which if you're in a car sort of like, like the E-Type, when I raced that there, you, know, you could take all the inside curb and, uh, and all the apex. Um, but with the Tyrrell, it would react badly to the, the bumps from the curb. So you're having to run around and just touch the rumble strip, uh, which is great because it's only like six inches wide. So trying to find that precision was absolutely crucial to, to surviving the exit and, uh, and getting a really good run coming out of there. One of the, the, the key things with anything with, with wings, the Formula One car in particular, but you even hear it with things like radicals and what have you, is that if you don't go in fast enough through a corner, you actually lose the downforce. So you've kind of got to be counterintuitive and go in quicker than your mind and your body tells you to. Otherwise, you're actually going to lose it more than if you went in steadily. Now, I'm assuming it goes without saying that on that with that old Formula One car, that was very much the case. So you had to grip it and rip it through these corners, no matter what your mind and body was telling you. Well, it, well, it's really funny because all the all the folk that I coach and they, they, they talk about wings and like aerodynamics and how you have to go faster to get more grip. And, and the way I always approach it is just forget all of that. You know, it, at the end of the day, all it is is a car and, and you're driving by feel, trying to find the limit. So it doesn't matter whether it's got slicks or treaded tires or it's got wings, it's got no wings. It doesn't matter whether the engine's the front or the back. It's what do you feel as a driver? And so whether it's the Formula One like the Tyrrell, you know, I used to slide that around the same as a slide a fun cap around, you know, because ultimately you've got to be sliding to be going fast. So, so whether it's got downforce or not, doesn't matter. And, and as it happened with that tool, we had a huge amount of downforce. So where that became really noticeable and really good fun was in the pouring rain, because then yeah. there's so much downforce, it's pressing the car into the ground that you're almost as quick in the wet as you are in the dry. Incredible. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll trust you on that, Nigel. I'll trust you on that. <laughs> it does. It certainly sounds incredible. I'm going to pick up on um, uh, something else that you, you mentioned there. You, you, you were talking about the, the Fun Cup as well. And I know you do a lot of that. And I've had the pleasure of, of commentating on a few of those. And it is a very misunderstood series unless you actually go to watch it, and, and let alone take part in it. It is incredible. They look like beetles. They are not Beatles at all. Um, they would be amazing at Castle Coon. They would. It'd be uh, it'd be totally fantastic. And uh, I think Paul Rose, who runs the championship, would uh, would love the amount of spares that he'd sell as a result of coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, we were getting. I'm going to bring it back in again. Tom's been sat in the uh, in the green room, and I think that that's what you were kind of worried that they'd be thinking, really, as well, isn't it? But because they're it's, far. Uh, it's endurance, isn't it? 
It is, yeah. I, I, I suppose it's a, um, the challenge would be uh, lack of pit garages, um, mm-hmm. trying to organise the pit lane so people can make uh, driver changes because we also have to refuel as well. Um, and so I suspect that's the real challenge. In terms of the circuit and everything like that, the, the racing in Fun Cup is fantastic. It's very clean, very fair, top quality drivers. So it wouldn't matter whether we're at Castlecombe or mm-hmm. maybe, you know, the, you know, we do a lot of racing at Park, for instance, and that's similar in many ways to Castlecombe and everybody loves going there. So it sort of, I suspect it would just be how you'd arrange the, the pit area to be able to do driver changes and refueling. I think that's probably the only, only real challenge that would be uh, difficult to overcome. I um I saw it set in a few years ago, probably about five years ago. And uh, uh, the other thing is, we, uh, uh, you know, I, I'll take this on the chin, but it, it, endurance isn't really for us. Um, you know, we like our races quite short, sharp, snappy, and I think that's one of the other things. When I saw it at Snet, um, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't, um, uh, you know, sat on the bank and watching it. I, I don't know. That, that's my personal opinion. Very now it's very different to what it was back then is that and i'll say that definitely is that now i mean you've got what i'm trying to remember what are the lengths of the race to be? Is it six hours nigel G- generally four hours uh four, yeah sometimes we'll do two three hour races uh but uh gen- generally four hours four. Uh, and, and, and they'll come down to the end with like two or three cars multiple times this last year that were like literally split by that on the uh, across to take the flag Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and I can appreciate if you go to Snetterton, Fun Cup probably isn't a spectator sport. Um, you know, it, it really isn't because it's a big circuit. You know, we, we have sort of, I don't know, sort of 25 cars on the grid or something like that. What we could do with is having 60 cars on the grid and then it'd be like, wow, this is just wild stuff to watch. Um, and when we do like Spa 25 hours, for instance, quite often they've got Sort of 120 cars on the grid or something like that and they have massive spectator attendance they make that into a huge festival and the racing is just 25 hours of qualifying laps so it's uh yeah it's spectacular but sort of that's yeah that's something we need to do in british motorsport is have much bigger grids to entertain spectators you know yeah, yeah. As a car, though, and as the series is, is that I'm, I was more just imagining that on the, the Castlecon circuit. I, you know, I can really imagine that. Yes. Yeah. It, it would be great because the spectators obviously can, you know, for most vantage points at the Castlecombe, you can see most of the track. Um, and so with, like, say, 25 fan cups slipstreaming each other around there, uh, it would be very, very entertaining. It really would. So, uh, yeah, maybe one day. Well, I'd love it. Yeah, I'd love it. They're, they're definitely uh, really cool. Um, I, I saw something else. Someone made a comment about the fact that uh, did a list of storm, uh, Adam Saunders, uh, uh, not Rachel Coon, just after Le Mans, about 12, 13 years ago. I don't know if it was straight after Le Mans, but absolutely we had the uh, Newcastle United liveried uh, list of storm. Yeah. That was special, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, they, they were spectacular. They had the Jag engine, didn't they? V12 Jags. Just, just incredible, incredible cars. I mean, we've uh, we've been spoilt, Tom, in all honesty, in our GTs for a little while now, haven't we? Where the, the cars that are being brought out to play, whether it's uh, uh, friend of the circuit, Lucky Kira, bringing out his his McLaren and uh, uh, possibly Ferrari this year. Yeah. We've had the Lamborghini. We've had the Noble that you mentioned about as well. Just some phenomenal pieces of kit. And everybody's loving it when they come out. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're right. But also, I think, you know, the hot hatch, you know, if we were racing, if we were starting to race in, what, in two weeks' time, I mean, the hot hatch grid was, there was reserves. And I think, you know, and some couple of people have mentioned as well that, you know, at the end of the day, motorsport is very expensive. And I don't think we should underestimate in, into, into the lower levels. And I'm sure, you know, Nigel will back me up as well that, you know, I think across, anyway, yes, don't get me wrong, see, seeing some of the supercars go around, Coombe is amazing. And probably most people for the wrong reason, because they get really excited, obviously thinking they're going to lose it on, on camp or, or, or quality and go into the... <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, yeah, you're, you're right. There is something special about seeing supercars, but I, I, I do still get excited about some of the other things that we have. I think, you know, when you see the low cost cut for instance and stuff like you know it's, it's just great it's just great fun and, and that, that's that's a big thing for me at castle team is trying to encourage someone else coming to get trying to encourage people in to the motorsport no matter what level it is uh, and get competing well and the key point to pick up on that is the reason why we're able to do it is when you've got drivers of nigel's quality uh, and history of racing such equipment and the equipment that have been bought to race on on Carthagoom. the fact that you can we've got the hot act series the saloons, we've got the uh, Formula Ford, so we've got single-seaters and, and, and tin trucks mm. that you're able to get going, and yet this is on a circuit that is talked about in such high regard as the likes of Nigel. That's why we get the grids we do for the saloons and the hot hatches. It's a real yeah. driver circuit, would you call it, Nigel? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. As we were saying earlier, it, it doesn't matter what you're driving. You know, it's being, being on the limit, and it's the thrill of being there, isn't it? It is. I mean, still for me is that suddenly thinking of like uh, we're coming up towards Easter Monday, and I remember Easter Monday last year in the uh, in the saloons when we had um, uh, I think it was it possibly James Winter blew his engine up at Quarry Corner. We had oil all the way around there that was spitting a lot of the drivers out at least towards the barriers, uh, if not into them. Uh, but the Prebles didn't seem to know about that, and we had both Preble brothers, <laughs> Gary Wad and Preble absolutely going at it hammer and tongs for the whole race and that is why our spectator banks are so full yeah yeah and that's that's what you want isn't it people driving flat out and, absolutely and, absolutely yeah. it is it is a more awesome race it is it is entertaining well uh we're going to go for an hour we've gone for an hour and ten i'm not surprised with someone like nigel uh here uh I, you got any more questions tom no, no, not at all. No, well, you can like you said, we could carry on for a long time. I think, yeah, this scope, obviously, Nigel, always welcome. To, hopefully, this will be something we'll keep going. Always welcome to come back. And, and, and hope, yeah, hopefully, let's, let's get in contact and talk about you coming down to the circuit and showing some people what you can actually do, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. We'll have to, have to try and figure out a way of uh, setting up some sort of sports cars. We can do some passenger rides and start taking people around and, uh, yeah, give them a real thrill. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, uh, uh, I'll be parting to that. Although there's plenty of the drivers that'll be watching that'll say I'm a wuss when it comes to the passenger drives. Uh, I'm terrible at it, but I like the fact that Jamie Callender, who did actually time it right to watch it this time, says he'll get me out driving his pass soon. Now that's what I like here. I want to get behind the driving wheel. That's I don't get scared then. I do when I'm a passenger, but. Nigel, honestly, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute thrill. I knew it would be, and I knew that uh, you're, you're a, a nice guy and entertaining guy. I think we've trailed for the fact that we may well be having you back again uh, at some point as well. Uh, always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank, thanks to both of you and, uh, and everyone at Castlecoom. It's, uh, yeah, it's a real pleasure to be part of it. Fair thanks, way. Nigel. Thank Stay you very safe. much, Nigel. Cheers. Bye. Thank you, sir. And uh, as we then, yeah, he raises his cup of tea. You now go and relax, sir. And we'll Time for a new one. Involved, and I'll uh, hide that off. 
Well, Tom, it was uh, we decided to uh, to go with the bang after the pilot show on Wednesday. This was the first real one, and uh, Tom, it couldn't have gone. It couldn't have had a better guest, I don't think. No, absolutely, no, no, absolutely, Chris. I think you know, outstanding your knowledge, outstanding, and you know, just a lovely guy. I said I've only met him a couple of times briefly, and you know, just a great guy. And you know, uh, Rodney always said that, and a great supporter of the circuit. And I know Emma and the family you know, still do talk about him a lot, and they're seeing, seeing that picture there every day. But um, yeah, that's what it's about, hopefully entertaining people. Um, and hopefully we'll pick back up on Wednesday. That's the plan, isn't it? It is. Uh, we'll now sort of get our heads together to work out. And I think the plan is to sort of get guests that uh, uh, some of our, our drivers in some of our championships, some of our, um, you know, head of marshals and in race control, um, you know, all sorts of people there, as well as some, some, if you like, external special guests that we'll work on over time as well. And who knows? Yeah. We have no idea where this is going, do we, Tom? No, no, not at all. And I think a lot of people, you know, I, I, um, Richard Beard, I really want to get Richard Beard on here, who's our chief marshal. And, and um, unfortunately, he's quite poorly at the moment with his teeth. And I think this is the thing is a lot of people are struggling. Um, this is what we're trying to, you know, we want to make encourage people to come on, have a bit of fun. And uh, again, Steve Weston as well, our championship coordinator, or, um, you know, uh, you know, I want him to come on and talk. And I think it's tricky. People are a bit nervous as well, because obviously we're not racing at the moment. And, you know, it is a bit nervous. But the idea is to uh, just to try and have a bit of fun and, and, and like you say, entertain people. And June. And your gin. Right, on that note, I'll, uh, I'll see you Wednesday, Chris. Yeah, see you Wednesday. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, everyone. Keep the questions coming in. You never know. We may be able to ask them suggestions of guests, anything yeah. like that. And uh, we're just going to keep going and, uh, and hopefully we'll get the number. So thanks, Tom. And thank you to Nigel. And we'll see you again on the next version of Coombe Chat Show Live with Davis and Dawes. Bye. <laughs>